how to deepen your relationships. I don't suppose you've got the idea, but let me just sort of clarify what I mean so that you can get it out of your mind if you've got it. I don't mean by deepening your relationships uh, the image of two people sort of gazing at each other intensely and relating with great uh, profundity. I mean to deepen your relationships with people by making them more deeply meaningful. So often our relationships with other people are on a trivial level. They aren't deeply satisfying for that reason. We find that we can uh, share our uh, jokes, we can share the news that we just saw on television last night, but we can't share our tears. We can share good times, we don't share bad times. I'd like to talk about deepening our relationship to uh, uh, this degree, that we talk from who we really are, rather than who we think the other people want us to be. That we talk from our deeper beliefs and not just always from the uh, joke level, the camaraderie level that so many people uh, tend to think of as friendship. Now in order to do this, the song that I've just sung will help to explain what I mean. What is love? Is it only ours? In other words, do we create love? Or does love whisper in the flowers? Surely we, children of this world, could not love by our own powers. In other words, the very fact that we're capable of loving means that love is already a fact of the universe. We don't create it. We discover it, we explore it, we expand it, we deepen it, but it's already there. If we understand that love is not something we have to create with a great deal of emotional fervor, but realize, then we can see how to deepen that love that joy, that sincerity. In other words, these are realities already with us. And what we need to do is remove those obstacles that all of us have to expressing those realities. What are the obstacles to love? Well, what my teacher's teacher, his name was Swami Sri Yukteswar, he lived in India, and he spoke of the meannesses of the heart, those things which keep the, mean, the, the heart mean in the sense of small, not mean in the sense of vicious, mean in the sense of being petty, small. Selfishness, grief, pride, too much arrogance, too much feeling that my family, as he called it, pride of pedigree, my family is better than other families, clannishness, sectarianism, all those things that separate us from other people and make us affirm a reality in its separateness, rather a deeper reality in its universality. You will find that the more people try to separate themselves from others, the more they will become small and shallow. This is why Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed because more blissful, you might say. It's more fulfilling. It's more real. It's more in tune with the divine nature, which all of us have, no matter how deeply it might be buried under the silt of all kinds of delusions and fantasies and, and uh, human faults. So we need to remove the conditions 
that uh, keep us from expressing who we really are. Rather than reaching up for the stars, we've got it already. We have this, what Swami Sri Yukteswar used to describe as the heart's natural love. If you can take your own feelings and expand them instead of contracting them, wish well to other people, learn to do things for others and not just for yourself. I, I read something in Ann Landers some years ago in which one woman was talking about how she personally enjoyed fetching coffee for the rest of the office staff. And for some reason, Ann Landers, who has shown quite a bit of wisdom, in this case, in my opinion, fell rather flat. Because she said, well, she was very sort of indignant at the idea of this woman voluntarily casting herself in the role of servant. Well, in fact, of course I don't want to demean anybody and say that he has to define himself in a servant role, male, female, uh, old, young, rich, poor, doesn't matter. But you know, there's another aspect to serving. When we try to, when we do things to make other people happy, it isn't that we're demeaning ourselves, it's that we're expanding ourselves to include their happiness in our own. And in fact, I remember singing years ago, I found great inspiration in one line of a song that Paramahansa Yogananda, my spiritual teacher, used to sing. The song was, O oh God Beautiful, O oh God Beautiful, at thy feet, O oh, I do bow. To the serviceful thou art service, to the lover thou art love, and so on. But I remember just that simple, simple line, to the serviceful thou art, to the serviceful thou art service, to the serviceful thou art service. And I found such joy in singing that, that I'd sing it over and over and over, and maybe just sing that same line 20, 20 minutes or more, because I felt such joy in thinking, I don't want to live just for this little ego, this little body, this little selfish fulfillment. I love to serve God in everybody. It was a new thought for me, and that's why it was so inspiring to me. I had come up through, the, uh, 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 through a background of a great deal of intellectual uh, egotism, pride, uh, thinking I had learned so much, had thought so deeply, had, had knew so much, had traveled so much, and I realized I wasn't happy in that thought. It had made me dry. And so I, I decided that the words of the Bible of Jesus, suffer little children to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of God. And I decided that's what I wanted to be, just a little child with no pretensions, no arrogance, no insistence that I knew more than anyone else. And so this thought of serving, being a new thought partly was why it was so wonderfully inspiring, but it's still inspiring, because the more we think in terms of the joy of serving our fellow man, serving God in others, doing things for others in order to include their happiness in our own. And I remember that there have been certain occasions when people looked down on me just because I served them, when they treated me with a certain amount of condescension because I had willingly assumed that role. Do you know it made me all the happier? that I didn't feel that, oh no, I've got to show that I'm not really a servant. I thought, no, I am a servant. What does it matter? And I felt so free 
in that thought. Now I'm a person who's had to be a leader in many walks of life. I have many people who follow me, and I still find happiness only in the thought that I'm serving them. They're not serving me. I'm being taught as I teach. I learn more than they do. They're not my students. They're not my followers. It's so much nicer in life to think in terms of removing those meannesses of the heart that keep us small. And our relationship with other people becomes deepened to the extent that we expand our heart's feelings. You know, loving people is in itself and by itself a risky job, let's face it. How many times people disappoint us? How many times people don't live up to the ideal we cast them in? How many times they misunderstand us and take advantage of our very generosity? How many times people are turn, turn out to be a mixture of qualities, many of them which we don't like at all? And so we wonder, well, whom do I like? This one person has good qualities and bad. How can I like him for the bad? Well, you don't have to. You can like the good, but more than that, if we can love God first, that's what Jesus taught. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek him first, and all these things will be added unto you. And then you remember, he said, the first commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, all thy soul, all thy strength. And then the second commandment is, love thy neighbor as thyself. And how many churches have I attended where they talk about love thy neighbor and don't even mention the first commandment because they can't imagine really loving God. They can imagine talking about the love of God, but it's not enough real to them. They can imagine respecting God or believing in God, but love, they find it difficult to imagine because they've had no contact with him. Now what I'd like to say is that if you want to deepen your relationship with others, then deepen your relationship first with yourself. And how can you do that? Deepen your relationship with God. Find a little time every day to sit still, meditate, concentrate. A good place to concentrate is here, but love is felt in the heart. And if you will feel that you're, think of your heart as a flower, and you're, you're sort of like a flower that's closed, and you're opening the petals, the bud of this flower, until all the petals are pointing upward, and feel your heart's feeling, strength, everything is going upward toward this point, this point because it's the seat of concentration in the body. But offer your heart's love up to God in deep silence. You know, most hymns, are songs about God. Almost none of them are to God. The Charismatics have sung a lot of songs to God. But the trouble is that if a person, if you're talking to somebody, shouldn't you also listen for his answer? Is it enough just to talk, 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 talk? I think if anybody talks like that to you, you'll finally get tired of listening. You want to feel included in the conversation, don't you? Well, in your prayer, don't only pray, the difference between meditation and prayer is that meditation is simply 
listening for God's answer. You pray, you offer your thoughts, inspirations and so on up to God. You call to him to come to you. You call to him to answer your prayers. But then, listen for his reply. And if you don't, it's because you lack the faith. But many people through history have had that contact with him. Why shouldn't you? You're no different from the greatest saint who ever lived. My teacher used to say, a saint is a sinner who never gave up. That's all it is. An ordinary person who decided that he, decided that he would love God no matter what. Decided that he would seek God no matter what. And then, by prayer, by just intense longing for God, that day came when he began to hear those whispers in the silence, those whispers of divine melody, that whisper of love in his heart. Yogananda used to say that the point between the eyebrows is sort of like your broadcasting station. You send your thoughts out with that, and then the heart is like your radio receiving set. So when you pray, pray deeply uh, at this point, offering your heart's love through that point. You know, that's why saints, when you see them depicted in ecstasy, they're all looking up. It's because in ecstasy the mind automatically becomes focused at that point. And saints have been observed down through the ages in a state of ecstasy with their eyes up. Well, okay, now call to God deeply at that point, but listen in your heart. And then, if you listen deeply enough, if your mind is calm enough, if your feelings aren't all agitated, you will begin to feel that love come into you. You'll begin to feel a joy behind that love. And then, if you project the love that you feel from God onto others, so that you're loving them with God's love, not just your own ego, your own sentiments and emotions, and if you love them as expressions of God. There's a beautiful saying. Where is my book? Um, oh, could you get it from me, for me from the piano over there? Thank you. Sorry for this intrusion onto the pristine purity of this show in which I exist alone until the choir comes on. However, this is something that was worth um, reading to you. It's from The Essence of Self-Realization, sayings... Uh, this, uh, depicting the wisdom of Yogananda. Yogananda said, a good rule to follow in life is to be other-minded. Here is what I mean. No matter what you behold, try to be conscious of that other, greater reality behind what you are beholding. No matter with whom you are speaking, imagine that that other one, communicating with you through that person's words, imagine that other one communicating with you through that person's words and gestures. Whatever work you are doing, feel that other presence nearby, watching you, guiding you, giving you strength. When looking into people's eyes, see God there, touching you through their consciousness. With every event in your life, watch it as it unfolds. Ask yourself, what is God trying to teach me through this experience. So be other-minded. Live more in the thought of God, and you'll find that your relations deepen the more you practice God's presence. You see, our lives, if we exclude him from our lives, 
become very shallow, meaningless, empty. But the more we practice his presence, the more we live in his presence, the more we feel him guiding us, loving through us, rejoicing, smiling through us, the more we find that somehow everything seems to go well and our relationships become wonderful because they become deeply meaningful. They become a part of a whole life's tapestry. All of life is a part of this, this, this communion that you feel in him. So again, those words, seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Your friendships, your, loved, your relationships with your loved ones, all of these things become more beautiful when you share them with God. Now, another thing, of course, there are many things to bring in, but the other is that if you see God in them, then you have to give them the freedom to come to God in their way. Don't be a fanatic. Let them each have the freedom to be himself and to grow in his own way. So give your friends the freedom to live as they are, to make their own mistakes even. How do we grow if we don't make mistakes? Don't be attached. Attachment is not only binding, it's also blinding. Live more in the thought that all are free in him, and then you will find that every word of your relationships, every moment of your relationships, takes on a new and a transcendent meaning and becomes rich with beauty. <laughs>